Welcome to How to Live Cancer-Free with Bill Henderson, best-selling author of three books on healing cancer successfully. Now, here's Bill Henderson. Hello, folks. Uh, thanks for coming back to listen to How to Live Cancer-Free today. We're going to be, give you some de- decent information today, including a, a nice interview later in the show. But the first part of the show You'll be listening to a gentleman named Tom Calarco, who I like very much. Uh, Tom is an author. He's 64 years old. Uh, he's written about five books on the subject of underground, the Underground Railway and helping slaves during the Civil War and so on. So he's, he's a very, uh, very accomplished author, but he also has studied a lot and loves uh, the natural healing business. So he's going to be bringing you information about that. And I want you to stay tuned. Make sure you listen to Tom because you'll you'll like him. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bill. Medical marijuana to cure cancer? You might think that preposterous. Certainly, it could be a bomb for the pain and the side effects of conventional cancer treatment. But a cure? Some of you might ask a proponent of this, what have you been smoking lately? But Dr. Mark Allen Circus, author of a new book, Medical marijuana said that there is no doubt that marijuana prescribed in large oral dosages, hemp oil or raw cannabis, can cure cancer, and that at the least, smoking it and getting high can relieve the stress caused by a diagnosis of cancer. Circus recommends its medicinal use not only for adults, but children. He also says that its use in conjunction with magnesium supplements increases its effectiveness. He tells about three-year-old Cash Hyde of Missoula, Montana, who had brain tumors and whose parents defied a doctor's order and Montana law to get some marijuana because it was the only medication that would alleviate the painful side effects of his radiation and chemotherapy. The medical blogger Raw Michelle reports another case of a toddler being given marijuana for cancer. It concerns two-year-old Amber, also diagnosed with terminal brain tumors. Her mother was told that with conventional treatment, she had a 10% chance to live. Despite surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy, her tumors continued to spread, and her parents were advised to prepare for the inevitable. However, they refused to accept this and started juicing cannabis leaves, and the tumors began to shrink. According to Ramachelle, the psychoactive properties of marijuana The THC that makes you high are only activated when it's heated, which in turn turn destroys its medical properties. In the raw plant, marijuana's medicinal properties are 400 more times, times more powerful than when smoked. An interesting movie that discusses medical marijuana and its potential as a cure for cancer is What If Cannabis Cured Cancer, which can be purchased at various websites but if you search diligently, should be able to watch for free. How much will you pay to stay alive? The answer to that question may be why more than $100 billion is being spent annually for conventional cancer treatment. Last week, we talked about a new alternative treatment used for prostate cancer, high-intensity focus ultrasound. Its cost is upwards of $11,000 per session. Another new treatment, the cancer vaccine Provenge, is significantly costlier. The price tag on this first ever cancer vaccine has been set at $23,000 per month, or $92,000 in total for the four extra months of life expectancy it provides. Did you hear that right? Four extra months of life for $92,000. Maybe it's worth it, though. Since there are no painful side effects, as with standard treatments, and some patients have been found to live much longer. It took 15 years to develop the vaccine, and $1.2 billion was invested in it. The price tag, nevertheless, is suspicious because developers used the comparable price of a chemotherapy drug to set its price. Is this fair? According to David Howard, an assistant professor in the Health Policy and Management Department at Emory College, fairness is not a consideration because cancer treatment is usually covered by insurance. 
Nevertheless, the escalating costs of conventional cancer treatment and other high-tech innovations is a cause of concern for Medicare, which in the future may not be able to provide such coverage. Currently, Medicare is not allowed to deny a treatment based on cost alone, but it will be difficult to sustain coverage of these very costly procedures considering the Medicare program is facing a huge long-term deficit, according to Howard. While there are other options, the cancer industry would have you believe they are inferior. Organizations like HOPE, the Humanitarian Organization of People for Antalev, in Warren, Michigan, believe otherwise and claim that numerous people have been cured by using Antalev, which is now called Cantron. Cantron was developed by James Sheridan, a chemist and researcher from Michigan, in 1936, who was formerly a member of HOPE. For nearly 40 years, Sheridan, who worked for the Michigan Cancer Institute and with the National Cancer Institute, tried to get FDA approval, but finally gave up and began giving it away free in 1974. However, in 1983, after giving it away to more than 1,000 people, the FDA issued a cease and desist order. Tests by the National Cancer Institute of Cantron on animals and human cancer cells done in 1980 and 1991 did not show any anti-cancer effects, according to the American Cancer Society website. However, HOPE, which holds monthly meetings, claims that many have been cured through the use of Cantron, now sold by medical research products as a dietary supplement. Hope's leading advocate, Andy Johnson, says that he has counseled nearly 7,000 terminal cancer patients in the use of Cantron, and only 154 have died. Ray Pilarcio, 80, who lives in Livonia, Michigan, says he faced resistance from his family when he refused to have his prostate removed and turned to Cantron instead. That was 12 years ago. Cantron has other variants, notably Protocell, which has gotten a good deal of promotion in recent years. However, there are a number of caveats to be aware of, and good advice on this can be found at CancerTutor, one word, CancerTutor.com. While Cantron may not be a cure, it has shown promise, and there are many who will testify to that. The price of Cantron, a bottle of pills that gives hope, is a big selling point. $50 for a month's supply. You might say that neither Provenge or Cantron offer the definitive cure, but both do provide a measure of hope. So if you can purchase that hope for $50 rather than $23,000, which one would you choose? This is Tom Calarco. Be sure to listen to my show on webtalkradio.net. From Slavery to Freedom, where we bring you stories about the Underground Railroad and Civil War. And visit my website, undergroundrailroadconductor.com, for upcoming news about my latest undertaking on kickstarter.com. Until next week, stay healthy, my friends. Well, hello, folks. This is Bill Henderson again with How to Live Cancer-Free on webtalkradio.net, where we try each week to give you the information that we think will help you heal your cancer or avoid it if you don't have it. Well, cancer in the news. We have a couple of interesting items to talk about today, and I think these apply to all of you, uh, as will the discussion in the second half of the show with Dr. Keith Scott Mumby. Stick around, folks. This is a, well, a wonderful, interesting discussion about anti-aging. If you care about how long you live and the quality of your life while you live, this is essential information for you. Dr. Keith has put together the greatest book I think he's written yet, and he's written about a dozen of them, so this is saying quite a bit, and I've read most of his work. He is an incredibly well-informed person and a, a medical professional from way back, about 40 years now in his life, 
and he's giving you all this information in this wonderful new ebook called Anti-Aging Outside the Box. Be sure you listen to that interview. You'll you'll love it. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Well, the cancer in the news item that I that caught my attention this week, and and because I've talked to so many people who have this similar problem to what Dr. William Campbell Douglas is talking about, which is the excess amount of scans done in this country, in the United States. Believe it or not, CT scans and PET scans are done more often to cancer patients, heart patients, all kinds of of people with degenerative conditions, to an extent that they are causing a lot more cancers and other problems than they are solving by far. And Dr. Douglas really puts this in in, uh, his wonderfully erudite approach, and I like the way he talks about things. But he says in this his daily dose that we're zapped by more tests than any other nation this you're talking about the united states here of course and his first comment is we're so radioactive that our bodies should be declared hazardous waste and sealed in lead-lined vaults or maybe just shot out into space he says americans get more radiation-powered medical tests than anyone else on earth half of all advanced procedures performed on the entire planet according to a recent Associated Press report. We are getting more scans than any other country in the world, and you know we don't have as good health as most other countries in the world. We're ranked way down the list as far as quality of health care, and at the top of the list as far as cost of health care. And one of the reasons, of course, is these expensive CT PET scans that are done all the time. One of the things that many of you may not realize is that when you do a CT or PET scan, the stuff that you drink before you take that scan is designed to light up the cancer cells for the scan. And of course, does this sound healthy to you, where you're feeding your cancer cells so that they'll light up and show the the scan where they are and so on? It might be interesting to know where they are, but rarely does this ever lead to healing, unfortunately. One lady that I heard from the other day had had a a CT or PET scan every six weeks for the last two years in in treatment of her cancer. Now, this kind of thing is ridiculous. Here's what Dr. William Campbell Douglas says. In one outrageous instance, a New Hampshire teen was run through the CT ringer 14 times to check for kidney stones giving him the kind of radiation you'll only find in survivors of Hiroshima and Chernobyl, and I only wish that was an exaggeration. He says, I don't know what fool this kid had for a doctor, but I've never needed a CT scan to deal with a case of the stones. Kidney stones are just not that hard to diagnose. You don't need to get multiple CT scans. He says another young woman had 31 abdominal scans, each one packing the radioactive punch of roughly 500 traditional x-rays, according to a doctor in the article. Well, folks, this is important information for anybody who's sick with heart disease, cancer, or anything else for which they're going to try and use these scans. They really don't do you much good, but they make a whole lot of money for the medical industry here. Believe me, every doctor that refers you for a scan gets a kickback of some kind from the company that does the scan. And and I you know I don't want to attack doctors here at all. Uh, they're trying to do the best they can in most cases, but believe me, you need to be careful about the scans. Here's what uh, one of the things that Dr. Uh, William Campbell Douglas says is very interesting. One study found that heart attack patients get the equivalent of 850 chest x-rays in the first few days of their hospital stay, and that most of them were repeats of tests they'd already had. Well, it's uh, it's now proven that the CT scans are responsible for about 1% of all new cancer cases, and this would be about 29,000 cancers Uh, that resulted from these tests in 2007 alone, the first year for which uh, they have statistics in the past. So what I would suggest is what Dr. William Campbell Douglas says. He says, bottom line, there's no safe level of radiation. Approach any test with extreme skepticism because most docs aren't interested in looking inside your body 
just your wallet. Okay. Uh, this is a wonderful MD, Dr. Douglas, and I admire him greatly. Uh, unfortunately, I don't admire most other MDs, as you probably already know, and I urge people to step outside the, the MD box, uh, particularly after you get your cancer diagnosis. Look for a, a holistic physician to work with if you can, and of course seek out the way you can heal yourself. One of the most important things to learn here is that only you can heal yourself. There is no doctor that can do it. Uh, certainly I can't do it, uh, your spouse can't, but you can. And it, I never give up on anyone. In almost every case, when people are diagnosed with a, a degenerative condition, if they turn inward and look for the, the answers to what to do in themselves and the research they do, they're going to get well in almost every case. If they trust the doctors, they almost never survive. And believe me, with cancer, the survival rate is right around 2% at the 10-year point after getting conventional cancer treatment, and I certainly don't like those odds. Well, we have a couple of good sponsors for this show that I want to tell you about. Uh, obviously, the folks at Green Supreme Incorporated are one of my favorite people. Uh, they have a, a product called Barley Power, which I've been taking for several years now, and I attribute a lot of my health to that. Uh, and what I would like you to do is to, if you don't already have this product, you know, go to greensupreme.net and look at it. It's not very expensive, but it is one of the best possible things you can put in your mouth because every one of these little pills has all 3,000 enzymes in the human body in it from the barley leaves, the young barley leaves that it comes from. And, of course, it gives you a huge dose of alkalinity, 72 trace minerals, 20 amino acids, all kinds of things that help you. And it's very inexpensive. The little pills are about four cents a piece. And uh, I suggest cancer patients take about 20 of them a day, at six or seven per, before the meal. Uh, I take about seven or eight myself every morning, and I, I find that it really helps me to keep my body healthy. You can get this product if you want to call them at 1-800-358-0777. If you're outside the U.S., they'll ship it to you because they ship anywhere. Just call area 724-946-9057. Be sure to ask for their special price for cancer patients, by the way. One of my other favorite companies is BetterWayHealth.com, which sells the, the transfer point beta-glucan, among other things. They have several other products, so take a look at their website, betterwayhealth.com. The transfer point beta-glucan is superior to any other immune-boosting product, as far as I'm concerned. I've looked at studies done on this by independent labs, and they found this to be superior to about three dozen other immune-boosting products, and there are reasons that it's superior. One of, the, one of those is that it's a unique product that makes your your neutrophil cells recognize cancer cells. It activates a uh, receptor on those cells, which they, and they normally don't recognize cancer cells. So this is an, a big plus because the neutrophil cells are about 60% of the 14 trillion or so immune system cells in your body. So this is a very important feature of this, and it's unique to the transfer point beta-glucan. If you want to get this product, of course, BetterWayHealth.com website is one way. You can call them in Atlanta at 1-800-746-7640. Again, they ship around the world, so if you're outside the U.S., call area 678-560-1808. Well, back to cancer in the news. I eat a banana every morning, as some of you may know. Uh, it's part of my breakfast. I usually eat the cottage cheese flaxseed oil mix that I recommend for everybody because I know it's the best thing I can put in my mouth, literally, uh, in a way of food. And I eat a banana with it. And I didn't realize how smart I was until I read uh, an email from a gentleman named Greg that sent this to me about bananas. And I think you'll enjoy this, really. It's really hard to imagine something simpler that is more valuable to your health than a banana, believe me. Here's what they, a professor at the City College of New York has uh, told his class about bananas, and these features are very interesting. I think you'll enjoy this. First of all, they contain three natural sugars, sucrose, fructose, and glucose, combined with fiber. 
but it gives you an instant sustained and substantial boost of energy and I, I notice that every morning. The research has proven that just two bananas provide enough energy for a strenuous 90-minute workout. And, you know, it's no wonder that the athletes love uh, bananas probably better than any other fruit. But that's not the only way that they keep us fit. It can overcome a substantial number of illnesses and conditions. And I, I would really suggest if you don't eat a banana every day, you do because of these, these things. I'll, I'll run through them real quickly here. First of all, depression. Uh, a recent study undertaken by uh, the MIND, M-I-N-D, Institute, uh, amongst people suffering from depression, many of them felt better after eating a banana. And there, there's a good reason for this. It contains tryptophan, and it's a protein that the body converts into serotonin, which helps make you relax, improves your mood, and makes you feel happier, basically. Uh, if you're a, a woman suffering from PMS, forget about the pills. Eat a banana. The vitamin B6 it contains regulates blood glucose levels, which you can affect your mind and your mood. If you have anemia, which uh, the bananas are so high in iron that they can stimulate the production of hemoglobin in the blood, and they help very much in cases of anemia. They're very high in potassium and low in salt, which makes it very good for high blood pressure. And the, even the Food and Drug Administration has just allowed the banana industry to make official claims for the, fut the fruit's ability to reduce the risk of blood pressure problems. Got a constipation problem? They're very high in fiber, and they, in, including a banana in the diet, will help re restore your normal bowel function. You got a hangover? One of the quickest ways of recovering from a hangover is to make a banana milkshake. How about heartburn? Bananas have a natural antacid effect on the body, so if you suffer from heartburn, try eating a banana for it. Morning sickness, if you're, if you're pregnant, snacking on bananas between meals helps to keep the blood sugar levels up and avoid morning sickness. How about overweight? And it works. Studies at the Institute of Psychology in Austria found that pressure of work leads to gorging on comfort food like chocolate and chips. I think most of you have experienced that. And they looked at 5,000 hospital patients. They found that the most obese were more likely to be in high-pressure jobs. And the report concluded that to avoid panic-induced food cravings, we need to control our blood sugar levels. Well, how, what's one of the best ways to do that? Eat a banana. How about ulcers? The bananas used as the dietary food against intestinal problems having to do with ulcers. And it's the best raw, raw fruit you can eat for that purpose. How about seasonal affective disorder? If some of you have heard of that, it's something that the doctors, uh, doctors diagnose, which, uh, hey, I wonder what the heck that is. But anyway, it can help SAD sufferers because they contain the natural mood enhancer called tryptophan. Uh, if, you, if you smoke, bananas help people trying to give up smoking. The, the vitamin B6 and B12 they contain, as well as the potassium and magnesium found in them, help your body to recover from the effects of nicotine withdrawal. How about strokes? Well, according to research in the New England Journal of Medicine, eating bananas as part of a regular diet can cut the risk of death by strokes by as much as 40%. Whoa, just peel a banana and eat it and you're 40% less likely to die of a stroke. How about warts? Well, these are keen on natural alternatives and they, people swear that if you want to kill off a wart, Take a piece of banana skin and place it on the wart with the yellow side out. And you carefully hold the skin in place with a plaster or surgical tape, and the wart will go away. Hey, this is a wonderful product, folks. A food that is so inexpensive and, and helpful that you almost can't afford not to eat one of these every day. Believe me, bananas are the best thing you can put in your mouth next to cottage cheese and flaxseed oil, and that's why I eat both of them every morning and have for about seven and a half years. Well, the folks at Our Health Co-op are some of the most marvelous people I know because they run a, a completely almost non-profit uh, organization to bring you the cheapest and highest quality supplements that you can find anywhere. If you take a look at their website, which is makinghealthaffordable.com, 
you'll see that many of the things they sell are way below the price you're paying now for them for the same thing. And, but the, the products that they have have all been tested in an independent lab to make sure they have in them what it says on the container. This, to my knowledge, is unique among supplement suppliers. So you, you have to almost take a look at this one before you buy supplements anywhere and see if they carry it because they'll have the lowest price and the best possible quality. You can call them at their order desk in Florida. It's 1-800-667-0781 or outside the U.S. Again, these folks ship everywhere, so area 561-863-5300. The website, again, is makinghealthaffordable.com. Well, stay tuned, folks. We have a good interview coming up with Dr. Keith Scott Mumby, and it'll be following here in just a few seconds. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in a, in a week or so. Bye-bye. Well, hello, folks. I'm back, and uh, I have a wonderful guest for you today. Many of you have heard him before, and you'll know his, his uh, background as soon as I mention his name, Dr. Keith Scott Mumby is the most intelligent person I've met in my life, I guess. Uh, he's also a 40-year physician, so uh, the combination of his knowledge about health and his knowledge in general and his ability to, to uh, put that in a form that works for you and is both uh, entertaining and interesting is just unique in my experience. He's a very prolific writer nowadays. He's uh, About five years ago, he got out of the business of treating people as an MD, which he did in Great Britain for 35 years, actually, and went into more of an education mode, and he likes to call himself professor rather than doctor these days, but I still am call, still call him doctor because he is the, the mo best informed person about uh, physical and, and emotional and mental problems that, that I've met, period, <laughs> no exceptions. A couple of his books that I really like if you haven't read, you probably should read them because these are wonderful resources. One is called Diet Wise, Diet-Wise, W-I-S-E. And that one is wonderful in that it explains all of his uh, experience with food allergies. And if you have any suspicion that you have any kind of food that disagrees with you, you need to read this book because it'll tell you exactly how to handle that kind of problem. Uh, another one of his is called Virtual Medicine, which is a, another great book. It's kind of a, an entertaining encyclopedia on alternative medicine and its history and so on. It, it, very, very interesting books, and we'll tell you how to get these later. What we're going to talk about today, uh, Dr. Scott Mumby and I, will, will be his latest book, which is on anti-aging. How you can handle the aging process of your body and actually reverse it, which uh, to most people probably seems ridiculous and silly, but we'll tell you why it's not anymore, because all the research that's been done recently, particularly in the last 15, 20 years, uh, but even more recently than that, Dr. Scott Mumby has has uh, put into this book. It's called Anti-Aging Outside the Box, and we'll tell you how to get it here shortly. But he covers virtually all of the information you need to know about how to get your aging process uh, retarded and reversed, which, uh, you know, you need to listen up here, folks, because this one applies to everybody. You don't have to have cancer for this to be important to you. You just need to be a, a human being and, uh, you know, be interested in your health. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Keith, and we're awfully glad to have you. Bill, it's always nice to be with you. I must say, after an introduction like that, you make me feel like a show business. So <laughs> the idea, I think, here is not just to be entertaining, but informative, I think, comes first. But, you know, entertainment does work, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it goes uh, down a little bit easier when there's a little entertainment <laughs> with it somehow. Uh, but this book, I think it's your best book uh, so far, and I don't know how many you've written, but it's probably at least a dozen or so books. I know of uh, a half a dozen or so you've done just in the last two or three years. Uh, but uh, this one, I think, is the best simply because it's a complete ex explanation of the aging process and what affects it, you know, both to retard it, slow it down somewhat, and maybe reverse it. Let's talk first about 
this is a you know, it's a 265 page ebook folks so it has a lot of information and we're not going to be able to cover the whole thing today by any means but we are going to cover some highlights of this and i want you to pay attention to it because the, the link to buy it will be on the notes for this show and you can just click on that one and and go take a look at the website and, and buy the book if you like and i certainly recommend it but let's talk a little bit first about the first portion of the book where you talk about survival probabilities how long are we supposed to live well isn't this an interesting concept bill and there's been a lot of confusion and muddle of course we've got the classic old biblical saying you know you're three score years and ten but you know up until the latter half of the 20th century it was very rare to make three score years and ten and in fact up until the, the middle of the 19th century the average life expectancy was under 40 years yeah that's incredible we've really got to distinguish two things which confuse people one is the you know, average life expectancy and then you know maximum survival and they're two two rather different things you know if you take a whole bunch of people and measure how long they live on average you might get quite poor results, especially if medicine isn't good and people don't take care of the health and so on. You might well, and, and on the, average, the, infant mor- the infant mortality affects it so greatly. I mean, this is what was the 40-year survival was simply a reflection of the fact that lots of infants died in those days. Uh, That's right, necessarily, yeah. you know. And that was important. You see, the, the average might have been under 40, but it didn't mean that many, many individuals didn't live to 70 or 80, 90 years old. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the statistics I know you found interesting was that once you hit 60, it all changes. The average life expectancy for 60-year-olds goes up by over 10 years. It's, it's 85, you know, give or take, depending on which country you're considering. Yeah, sure. Uh, that, that once you've made it past the sort of childhood disasters and the things that weak out the weaklings earlier on, then you've got a much better chance of living long. And the, uh, in fact, the American Academy for Anti-Aging Medicine is now predicting that uh, we boomers, you know, our folks that are in their 60s or more, with, who are in good health right now, right. Uh, at least half are going to make it to 100. Now, I'm talking averages again, Bill, so if half are going to, you know, some people will maybe die early, but some people will make it way beyond, you know, so that would be 120-year-olds. Uh, it's really it's shifting very fast, and that's the other thing that people I think haven't appreciated is how fast we're aging as a as a population. Yeah, well, and the variables involved here include just knowledge, do they not? I mean, if you know things that you can do to to change this ratio and this uh, equation, it certainly does help. I mean, I plan to live till at least 120 or maybe longer. I mean, hey, my. My cells, my genes are programmed to live longer than that, are they not? Well, we, we don't know what the maximum is, but there's some intriguing uh, figures, you know, like Dr. Lee, the Chinese man that we know lived to at least 250 years. I mean, nobody's sure exactly, but you can't just rubbish this story and say it's a myth. Yeah. Because the Chinese government was giving this guy a certificate, an official certificate every 50 years. Every 50 years. <laughs> so we know he survived a good while, right? Yeah. And, you know, you keep hearing the story, the longest lived person is this French lady at 123. That's, that's rubbish. If you look at proper research, and I'm talking, you know, National Geographic magazine and things, you see that many, many individuals making it beyond, beyond 120, beyond 130, right. possibly beyond 160. So it, it's fascinating. But the point is the averages are now shifting so fast. One of the examples I give is Japan, where in 1985... Japan had the youngest average population in the Western world, in the developed world, I should say. Yeah. And by uh, two th- sorry, in 1984, by 2005, they have the eldest average population. That's how fast. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah, just in those six, well, what was it, 20, 20 21 years? years. In 21, 21 years, years, it shifted from that, that massive you know, young demographic into a massive older demographic. And that's happening everywhere in the civilized world. And, you know, this is one of my important messages for people, Bill. If you know, even, if, even if you don't dig health issues, I'm sure all your subscribers do. You know, yeah. Intelligent. But even if you don't, you've got you've to fess up here because you're probably going to live to 90, 100, 110. What are you going to do? Because, you know, the economic system's collapsing. You might find yourself having to go back to work at the age of 100. Well, that's no good if you're an old crop that's sitting in a wheelchair mumbling, is it? You're going to die. But if you can work and look after yourself, yeah. you know, it's cruel. But I'm afraid that may have to happen in the world the way it's going. 
Yeah, somebody said if I'd known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great joke, but you know, it is a horrible reverse joke if you don't do it right. And That's this is for what I'm sure. trying to tell people, Bill, is that you're going to live long. Almost certainly you're going to live long, whether you, whether you want to or not. You know, your only way out is to put a gun to you and blow it, your brains out. Yeah. You're probably going to live long. Yeah, wonderful. That's terrific. Well, there, in the research, you point out in the book some interesting models of aging that have been brought up in the research, different ways of looking at aging. You want to talk about a couple of those, like, for example, you mentioned oxidative damage as one model of that, aging. That's one of the best-known models. Yeah, I better preface this, Bill, by saying nobody really knows what aging is. Yeah. Some animals don't age, but we clearly do. And why is that happening? You know, why does a, a bit vigorous young body turn into an old crock heap? I'm not thinking of you or me, of course. mechanisms that everyone I think today is aware of is what we call oxidative damage you know free radicals they go snatching electrons and they're messing up molecules and damaging chemicals right. and sooner or later the wear and tear has an effect uh, so it's certainly an important model and that's why we need antioxidants and there's such abundant torrents of evidence pouring out the universities and studies showing that those do protect yeah. and you know and it is possible to at least slow the aging yeah, and those are things like uh, all vitamin C, vitamin E, uh, CoQ10, ALA, and so on. That's right. uh, all of us, you know, should take some of those, I guess, because we're just not going to get enough antioxidants any other way than by supplements these days. Isn't, isn't that true? Absolutely true, Bill. You're so wise. So many so-called experts, you know, with their junk science say, oh, this is all nonsense, you don't need this stuff. Uh, historically may have been true, right? But we're now living in such a toxic world where we're being battered with chemicals and damaging oh. substances. Our bodies have to be helped to protect us from it. You know, it needs loads of extra help. What may have been enough antioxidants for a caveman is not going to do any good for somebody living in Los Angeles or Detroit yeah. or somewhere like that. Yeah. You know, they're under such onslaught of chemicals. Yeah, and just look at the water, if nothing else, and the and the food, the chemicals we get in the food, <laughs> the stuff right, that, right. that uh, gives us problems like this. Well, another model is what they call the genes model, I guess. Uh, yeah, it, it is. Well, I've included it for completeness, but you know, if you've heard me speak, well, I know you have, Bill. I don't think much of genes. You know, you can have all these genes, and if they don't express, it doesn't amount to anything anyway. That's right. So yeah. the critical factor is what is that in the environment that will make the gene switch on, or you know, what good stuff will make a bad gene switch off. So genes are kind of like a light switch; they're not the be-all and end-all that we were taught, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah, right. Our lifestyle choices really affect which genes express themselves of the of the whatever number of genes we have, you know, 30,000 right. or so. Uh, and I, I remember a study was done in Great Britain, as a matter of fact, I think, about uh, the opinions of the ladies that had, uh, say, uh, hypothetically, you had the BRAC1, BRAC2, whatever genes for breast cancer, supposedly. What would you do? And as I recall, it's 36% of them said they would have an immediate double mastectomy, if you can believe that. Yeah. Simply. Well, what appalls <laughs> me is doctors play along with that, you know, and they're willing to do that ridiculous operation. Heck, you know the answer, Bill. All you got to do is change your diet and fix up your environment and lifestyle. You can keep these genes suppressed forever. Absolutely. They don't have to express themselves just because they're there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, what about... Uh, carbohydrate control. Now, obviously, this has something to do with uh, insulin and uh, insulin resistance in our body. Right. I mean, this is a big one, and this is, you know, it's clearly seen, it's clearly laid out on the table for anyone that wants to see what damage carbohydrate, lack of carbohydrate control does to your health. You know, people get wrecked, they get fat, their heart packs in, they get diabetes. Diabetes is really just a speeded-up aging process. Yeah, really that's right. That sums it up. And, of course, one of the markers for this whole process is we call insulin resistance. You know, you batter your body with sugars and refined carbohydrates, but the body just can't cope anymore, and the insulin levels go up and up to try and get rid of this stuff. And so it, 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 one of the serious markers of aging is your insulin level when you're fasting. You know, if you've not just been eating and your insulin level is high, it probably means that, you know, you've gone into a, a disordered carbohydrate control, and it's dangerous. You know, diabetes is just one of the many 
A lot of cancer patients, of course, experience diabetes because the cause tends to be similar, obviously, for both yeah. of them. But uh, I've heard, and I think I believe this totally, is that diabetics, type 2 diabetics particularly, can completely reverse that disease in a couple of weeks with lifestyle changes that are dramatic, obviously dramatic and, and hopefully permanent. But it isn't all that hard to reverse diabetes, is it? No, absolutely not. As you say, you control what you're eating. What people don't realize, and of course doctors don't tell people, is that if you just take the drugs and take insulin and stuff, it doesn't stop the, the decay process. You know, it might lower your insulin levels, but it doesn't stop the terrible damage that diabetes does. That's right. Whereas if you change your diet, you fix yourself up, eat proper good fresh food with you know, no refined carbohydrates, a nice balance, and lots of antioxidants, as you say, the whole thing can disappear in just a matter of a couple of weeks. Yeah, because you're dealing with the cause, the same old thing, you know, the, the naturopaths and homeopaths, a lot of them are wonderfully uh, sensitive to the cause of, you know, why did you get this particular problem? But the average MD is not like you, <laughs> Dr. Keith. They don't look at the cause. I mean, it's treating symptoms with drugs and procedures. That's what they do. I mean, hey, you know, that, give that's me that a whole model. But the thing is, they don't know much about causes, really. Yeah. And they still argue. You know, I, I'm appalled every time I open a medical journal and say, you know, this, this or, you know, the value of vitamin C hasn't been proven or you know, the value of eating <laughs> fresh fruit and uh, antioxidants and vegetables hasn't really been proved. That's right. No, and it hasn't been proved because nobody's testing the basic stuff. But, you know, it's so obvious. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Why really. Why need a scientific study to tell you to do that? For and they say, you know, they might even be harmful, folks, so be <laughs> careful. Don't eat too many of those veggies, you know. Yeah. <laughs> who knows how harmful harmful they are in, yeah, in yeah. large doses. Anyway. Shovel handfuls of pills, that's okay. Just shoveling <laughs> veggies, that could kill you and you're going to be chasing it. Silly. Like, we're laughing, aren't we? Well, it's so silly, but that's, that's yeah. how far adrift modern medicine's got itself. Well, talk a little bit about the, the telomere concept here. I think that's an interesting one. Uh, the way our our cells are, are built, or the, the, uh, the particularly the nucleus of the cells. Yeah, well, costelomers is a, is a new kind of a buzz, well, not past the buzzword stage, but it's only been around about 20 years. Uh, and we didn't really understand what that was before. We knew as you age, uh, your DNA gradually got wrecked, and, and you know, cancer was one of the many risks of yeah. bad and faulty DNA. We then understood that there's these little things tagged on the end of the DNA on the chromosomes called telomeres uh, that are supposed to slow down and stop that damaging process. They're protective. The trouble is that they're used up with each division. So gradually you have less and less elements, and sooner or later you don't have any, so the, the protection wears out, and then it all goes wrong. That's, that's you know, one of our very important models, because you know, we know it's true, uh, and, it, and it does help to, to preserve your telomeres. And you can measure decay, cancer, and aging by telomerase, the, um, yeah. the enzyme that uh, works on these things. So, it's a very important model, and it ties in with something I also introduced in the book, a very sophisticated thing that's bandied about, uh, especially of critics of the anti-aging movement. It's called the Hayflick Limit, and Leonard Hayflick supposedly proved that we only get about 50 divisions of a cell. Yeah. Well, in reviewing his work, I think the only thing he really proved is that he doesn't know enough about nutrition to keep <laughs> cells alive. They're all <laughs> dead by the time they've done their 50 of it. Uh, Alexis Carroll, you may know, was able to keep them going on indefinitely, although... They've come up with a theory of why that is, and it's not nutrition. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the point is... But it's not as absolute as he in indicated. No, no I don't sure. think so. But the point is, even if it's true, with what we know now and present science and what you can do to help yourself, and that's where we're aiming with it, still, isn't it? Yeah. Is that even with just 50 divisions, you, we could live an average of 300 years. You know, if you, really? don't, if you don't mess up your body and stress it and abuse it, then these 50 divisions can take place very slowly. Yeah. And an average of 300 years is quite attainable. And, of course, again, it's an average. Let me remind you, Bill, for an average of 300, some people will die at 100 years, but some will make it through to 500 years. Incredible. So, you know, maybe there was a Methuselah. Sure, why not? Well, one of the things I, I talk to cancer patients about every day is stress and, and the effects of that, the cortisol that, that's produced by all kinds of stress. Tell us what you think about, about that. What does stress do to the body? 
Uh, well, of course, it, calls, it brings into, into play lots and lots of different pathways, but one of the most important mechanisms that we know and clearly understand, even orthodox doctors, we're all on the same page, is a substance called cortisol that's released. Right. You see, stress is supposed to be, you know, you're a caveman, you, you meet a tiger or a mammoth, and you run like hell, and you're okay. It's all done in two minutes, right? Right. But when there's constant fear and constant stress and barrage, that quick adrenaline mechanism uh, fades, and what, what takes over is cortisol. And cortisol is a much more damaging long-term reaction to stress. The best example I give to people that really makes this clear, and I'm sure your, your listeners would love it, is that it's the Pacific salmon. We all know these wonderful, beautiful beasts swim upstream, they battle up waterfalls, and they get past the grizzly bears and everything. They finally make it to the right. pools, and, uh, and they, uh, they spawn. Then they die. They just, within a matter of days, they fall over and die. And what's happened is all this stress has caused them to release thousands of times the normal levels of cortisol. Oh, and it literally yeah. kills them like a knife. You know, it is so deadly. Their yeah. immune system crashes. They're invaded by bacteria. They're rotten with fungus on their skin and everything. And they mm. die, poor things. Well, it's but a very acid substance, as I understand it. Uh, and it, it yeah. promotes cancer just for that reason, if for no other one. You know, it's, it's yeah. acidifying you your body. <laughs> you don't want cortisol. You don't want that. <laughs> Not good. You know, they, I told you about the Chinese doctor who lived to 250 years. His model was, I can't remember exactly what he said, but, you know, walk, walk like a tortoise and sleep like a dog and stuff. What yeah. he was saying was, chill out, bro. Chill <laughs> out. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. That's, that's great advice, I'll tell you. Well, uh, how about uh, inflammation? We, we've mentioned that slightly, but... Yeah, we've got to come to this one. This is the biggie, Bill. Yeah. There's no question now that we understand that basically aging and disease is all about inflammation. Even uh, not very obvious things like cancer still have very strong uh, inflammatory aspects to their model. Right. Uh, inflammation is, is nature's response to bad things, and, and in, in that sense, inflammation is a good thing. It's what nature does. You know, there's something going wrong, so she moves in the white cells, she moves in the antibodies, it all gets meated up and the cleanup, and then it's gone, right? The problem is, when the inflammation process won't stop and it keeps going, then we get into all kinds of trouble. And we know the inflammation model is behind things like Alzheimer's disease, oh, arterial yeah. disease, diabetes itself, you know, inflammatory process in the, in the pancreas. Uh, and most notorious of all, what we call stealth pathogens or slow virus or hidden pathogens. These are things, all kinds of things. It can be parasites or viruses or bacteria. Mm -hmm. Chlamydia, pneumonia was probably the most notorious because it attacks our arteries. But these things get in under the immune radar and they linger and they can go on for years or decades in the end. And they set up this chronic inflammatory process. Yeah. You can actually measure it by what we call inflammatory markers, they're called cytokines, it's one of those fancy words, mm -hmm. you will meet it, inflammatory cytokines are a number of chemicals that are produced in response to the process, and you can actually pick them up in the blood and measure them, so the more of those inflammatory cytokines you've got, the more trouble you're in, you don't want to see these things, oh, yeah. C-reactive protein is an example, I mean, got it yeah, CRP, yeah, that CRP disease. is a great test for heart inflammation, exactly, I was going to say the cardiologist Rarely that used, I guess, by the doctors, but uh, they need to use it more, from what I understand. Yeah, well, it's not even confined to heart disease, not really anything. But, you know, there are others, you know, tumor necrosis, factor alpha, and things like yeah. that. You, you look these up. You don't ever try and remember these. Right? Yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, if you want to know your status, go to your doctor and say, I want to test my inflammatory markers. Yeah, great. Yeah, well, you give a whole uh, list of things that people can do themselves to how to be how to live to 100 years in other words how to be this half of the population that's going to survive to 100 if you want to be in that group folks hey get this book it has all of the suggestions of simple things you can do anti-aging supplements well he has about a dozen of them in there that are important for aging uh, is detoxing methods uh, which really work to extend your age. Uh, you know, he talks about antioxidants and uh, heart vascular health. All these things are are, are very, very useful to folks that uh, are interested in extending their life. But uh, some of the miscellaneous things you talk about were, were pretty interesting. You talk about sleep, for example. How, how important is good sleep? It's absolutely critical, Bill. There's abundant scientific work now that shows quite clearly that if you don't sleep enough, you don't live long enough. Yeah. 
Uh, we need about seven or eight hours sleep, and if you're getting less than that, you're on average going to live less. It's pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't work the other way. Oh, let's sleep ten hours a day and we'll live forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost as bad. You know, if you sleep too much, yeah. uh, then, then also life expectancy drops. So, yeah, and the artificially you know, induced sleep, I guess, with pills is not really doesn't really count here, I don't think. No, no, chemical sleep. Well, when I say chemical, I mean, I think melatonin sleep is okay. If you yeah. want to take a melatonin mm-hmm. supplement. Mm-hmm. But, you know, n- n- really sleeping is, is simply, in a way, it's a monitor or a measure of what status you're in. You know, if you're, if you're stressed and you're taking, you know, swallowing excited toxins and doing mm-hmm. all the wrong things, then you can't sleep easily. Right. So sleep, in a way, is not the cause, but a monitor of how you're doing. You know, if you, if you can find, you can put your head on the pillow, pillow at night and pretty quickly relax into a nice deep sleep and last there for seven or eight hours, then you're probably fairly healthy. Yeah. But then the reverse is true. If you can't sleep, you've got insomnia. There's all kinds of things going wrong. So you're going to have to figure out what these things are. You know, sleep is the measure as well. Yeah, as it's, cause a, it's a measure, know. right. Yeah. I agree. What about, uh, you say coffee is okay. Well, is I... I almost said this tongue-in-cheek, you know, <laughs> I, I put a question about coffee and answer, are you kidding? <laughs> but actually, it's true. Uh, I mean, it, it may be a, a question of all the polyphenols in coffee and all that wonderful bitter or disgusting taste or nice taste, whichever way you look at it. Yeah. It certainly means a lot of strong uh, polyphenol flavorings. But anyway, bottom line, Bill, is there's no arguing with lots and lots and lots of scientific papers that seem to show that coffee drinkers on average live a bit longer. It's the same with alcohol, actually. We know yeah. alcohol can hurt you, but if you drink a moderate amount, you're actually going to live longer. So we don't know what it is in coffee exactly, but, you know, it's worthwhile. Except that I do caution that uh, some of the studies are European-based studies, and what, what difference does that make? Well, you know, European coffee isn't the same as the schlock you get at Starbucks. Yeah, right. It's full of sugar and cream and a million <laughs> calories. Uh, we're talking usually uh, an espresso coffee that's just black and strong. Uh, but there's some benefit there. So, uh, in other words, there's no harm in drinking it. I'm not saying you must give up coffee. Right? Right. You should give up foods that are bad for you, but coffee doesn't seem to come under that. It's, a, it's an interesting curiosity. It's great stuff. Yeah, you mentioned red wine and uh, resveratrol and so on as being healthy, healthy. But one of the things you talk about in here, and I wasn't surprised knowing you as I do, was a section on love and sex. In fact, you're the only doctor I've ever heard that recommends masturbation. Uh, tell us about that. I think they're just coy. <laughs> I, don't, I can't believe doctors are really that ignorant. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the science is clear. It's anywhere you care to look. You can find the science. And you can, you, you know, you can theorize. I think it's discharge or release uh, in some way, you know, reducing tensions. I mean, uh, sure. Louis, Louise Hay, for example, has been saying for 30 years to women, you know, if you have a headache, masturbate. Yeah. Go away. <laughs> you don't get this from doctors which is almost as if they're coy but, but the science is pretty clear men will have less prostate cancer if they have ejaculatory sex well if you haven't got a partner that means you know you masturbate yeah two or three times a week something like that yeah uh, i mean yeah, the whole thing healthy. is silly really people just get uncomfortable and embarrassed why you know it's well, just, and they animals do it you know you can't i don't want the religious <laughs> crap that goes around you know god would be offended God gave it to animals, you know, monkeys and deer and all kinds of animals. Masturbate, so why shouldn't we? Yeah, everybody looks at their hand to see if their mother was right. Is there really hair growing in my hand? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the last portion of the book is probably one of the more useful things because you give people a personal anti-aging program. In other words, 15 different things that we can do. Actually, there are about 20, I guess, in here, but (laughs) 20 things that that people can do themselves to uh, reverse this process. And uh, boy, lots of interesting stuff in here, including you talk about iodine, which is one of the more important things. I, I really didn't include this in my book, and I probably will when I update it. Because it's so important. I mean, uh, most of us are just deficient in iodine like we are in lots of other things, but iodine is pretty vital to a lot of functions, uh, thyroid functions and so on. Right, not- and that's where your energy comes from, Bill. I mean, you know, what is one of the big markers of aging? You know, you kind of slow down. Yeah. They're all big effort. And very often it just needs a thyroid tweak, and it can be as simple as adding iodine, because we're all chronically deficient. The figures are very clear, you know, in the Western world. Oh. Well, worldwide, it's the number one nutritional deficiency disease. Period. Yeah, That's incredible. The World Health Organization. 
Yeah. And we know why. We haven't time to go into all that. But, you know, the idea that there's enough in salt to take care of the poor is rubbish. I mean, we've been told not to eat salt for the last 40 years. How's <laughs> 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 that going to solve the problem? Yeah, really. Uh, but, but perhaps I should just give the overall idea to this, though, which is that so much of aging is under our personal control. I've heard estimates like 70%, 80%. I would personally put it higher maybe even 90%, but anyway, a very large proportion of the factors that influence aging are things that you can control, you know, the amount of antioxidants you have, whether or not you're eating stressful yeah. foods or good health-building foods, you know, what is your state of mind? We haven't talked about that, but state of mind is important. We talked about stress, but, sure. you know, uh, being happy, being in love, having yeah. no depression of yourself, how uh, often belonging do you, to a church. How often you, do you laugh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? laugh, you know, you should, <laughs> kids laugh. Oh, you know, scores of times a day. Yeah. Adults, you know, three or four or five times, some of them not even that many. Uh, these are things that you can do. And exercise, of course, everybody knows about that. But you don't have to go and beat yourself up in the gym. Just go for a walk two or three yeah. times a week. It's very refreshing. You yeah, you, you suggest about a 45-minute or so walk or 40 minutes uh, two or three times a week. I think that's a that, That's right, but it's not off the wall, Bill. That's based on lots of scientific papers. Absolutely. That that's a suitable minimum. You know, you will get a definite benefit from that. Yeah, and you don't uh, stress your ankles and your knees and so on but like you do if you try to go out and trot around. <laughs> if you haven't done that for a while, believe me, it's not a good idea. Yeah. Well, you meant, one, one of the things you mentioned in here is uh, natural health juicing, uh, smoothies and so on, and you mentioned the Univera products. I, I did a little discussion last week about this subject with uh, this audience uh, about my fascination with the Univera products because of the amount of research that's been done here and paid for hundreds of millions of dollars worth of research right. for 20 years on natural products and and I said wow for the first time there is really some uh, evidence uh, scientific evidence if you will of what these products do and what they and I was just amazed at uh, what I found out about Univera why do you like these so much well, partly what you're saying, really. I mean, I always turn to nature, you know, Bill. Nature reigns. You know, nature is cleverer than any smarty aleck science, no matter a scientist, even Einstein. You know, nature knows more. Even Einstein's theories are beginning to crack at the corners. So I turn to nature, and that, you know, means good natural food. So uh, if, you, if you take the time and trouble to formulate good preparations, you can come up with some really good stuff. And the chief scientific officer at University, Stephen Chinitsky, is a past master at this, you know. He, he just loves uh, natural formulas, and they have this huge library of plants that it would take probably 50 lifetimes to figure out what the ones that they've got do, but they're, oh. they're adding a 1,000 every year to this. They, you know, they have thousands, thousands of them, and they're looking at all the combinations. I mean, it's a really incredible amount of research and quality control of the stuff that they produce, too, by the way, which is uh, That's very important. important. Because, you know, there's a lot of phony science. I mean, I've got to say that we've got to mention, the, you know, the dirty word, the multi-level marketing word. They shouldn't let your people put, put them off because, you know, you don't have to belong to that to order the good. No. You, know, you can just order direct. Yeah, the pro uh, I'm always wary of signs from, you know, multi-level marketing. It's usually very distorted signs. You know, like, you oh, know yeah. the mangosteens. I mean, they sell you mangosteen juice, but yeah. the science actually is the mangosteen pericarp. That's what <laughs> does you good, but it's so disgusting to eat. They won't put it in their product because it needs a lot of sugar to be even edible. Right. But that's what all the good science is about. So there's a lot of sort of flexible science, shall we call it. Yeah, I agree. But Stephen Chinisky is a man of great integrity. I don't always agree with everything he says, but, you know, he says it with conviction and he can back his opinion up with tons of science. Well, he's written three books on, on different uh, uh, subjects, a very... Uh, Authoritative books, actually. Right, yeah. Very interesting guy. And we should, in fact, I should say their latest product, he's come up with another, he's bringing out a book on diabetes, but he's come out with another wizard product called Level G, and the G here is for glucose. You know, yeah. It's a direct attack on the fact that so much diabetes and disordered glucose control, it, got, it goes way beyond just the chromium and stuff that we all know about. It's a very clever formulation, and, and uh, you know, studies have shown that it's got fantastic benefits for people who well. are battling with their carbohydrate control. Well, just in about three weeks, uh, my, my wife, Terry, as I told people last week, said, I feel like a new person. And she's, all she's been doing differently is taking this cocktail that we put together with a couple of the different products from Univera, and they are extremely helpful. Well, right. folks, I need to give folks your good uh, website here to go for the books, and I would like them to, you know, take a look at the at 
the website which is in the notes for this show, uh, which is the one for the anti-aging outside the box book, which is his latest book, which is absolutely wonderful. But you should learn more about Dr. Keith Scott Mumby and, and go to his website. He has several, but one of the best ones is alternative-doctor.com, alternative-doctor.com. And you'll find there, I think uh, the, both the books I mentioned, the Diet Wise and the Virtual Medicine book, are available there, are they not? Uh, they are, yes. But maybe we could just mention the Diet Wise site, which is Diet Wise Book. All one word, no dashes, dashes or dots, just dietwisebook.com. Dietwisebook.com, yeah, that's that's a separate one for the Dietwise book, which is a great one, by the way, folks. You ought to look at that. So any one of these books you get, you get them all, and you'll, you'll learn things from them that are just incredibly important to our our health and our life. And this is one of the most wonderful sources of information, folks, and you need to take advantage of them. We're going to talk some more about this wonderful uh, anti-aging business uh, in a later show. Doc, we haven't possibly covered anywhere near Scratch all the of it. Yeah, barely we're, done that. we're barely scratching the surface, that's for sure. But uh, we have to sign off for today, and thank you so much for all of this. It's really been wonderful. So pleasure, Bill. Wonderful. Look forward to being with you again. Bye. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to How to Live Cancer-Free with Bill Henderson.